0: have a Bible with you, uh, there's one in the rack right in front of you, best way to do this, get about halfway through the Bible, you should happen upon a book called and, um or Psalms, and, but it starts with a P, Jack got that, and, uh, and you find Psalms and then leaf a little bit further into the book, you'll find Proverbs and then the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and we're in a series entitled blah, 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 yada, 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 Now, if you're visiting with us, there's a rule about this. Every time I start saying blah, 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 yada, 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 we kind of say it together. Um, And this is kind of a Yiddish paraphrase of a phrase that occurs in this book. Um, It's vanity and vexation of spirit or emptiness and chasing the wind is the phrase that appears. Um, But uh, we just say blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. All right. now you guys are starting to warm up a little bit. I know it's cold. Maybe we'll do some calisthenics halfway through the message, I'm not sure. Um, but we want to do this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Now if you missed last Sunday's message, it's because I didn't preach it. Um, we, we had an awesome missionary here. I did record the message though, so you can get it on CD or you can get it off the podcast if you want. Um, you can go to gracemerimac.org and download it on your computer. Um, I know that not everybody has access to that, so you can, you can also talk to our alpha geek lurking in the back. Doug Wilcox in the striped shirt, and he can get you a copy of the, of the audio of the message that was on the last half of Ecclesiastes. Um, it's, a pretty much, it's a pretty important message as to understanding the book, but we're going to move on to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Now, Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. It is, it is one of only two books in the Bible where the name of God does not appear. Now, the word God appears, um, but the name of God does not appear. Um, one of only two books in the Old Testament where that is true. Uh, and it is an anthology, an anthology of human wisdom. So in this book, there are a lot of misleading statements. And one of the primary rules we talked about in reading Ecclesiastes is don't make doctrine out of Ecclesiastes. You will come up with a flat earth. You will come up with, you die and turn to dust and there is no heaven or hell. You will come up with uh, all kinds of weird beliefs. So we don't make doctrine from Ecclesiastes. It is a collection of human wisdom, probably written by King Solomon, who was the son of David, a king in Jerusalem. And he gathered all of this wisdom. Now some of the wisdom comes from Mesopotamia. Some of it comes from uh, Aramia, which, which is modern Syria. Some of it comes from Egypt. Some of it comes from Solomon's mind. And we'll try to highlight where we think some of the pieces come from. Uh, for example, the most common passage, every passage everybody knows in Ecclesiastes, the turn, turn, turn part. That part that part of Ecclesiastes is written by Bob Seeger. Um, <laughs> that's what I love about our church. I make a Bob Seeger joke, and everybody understands it. Most people my age have no idea who Bob Seeger was. is. He's still alive, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he wrote the song "Turn, Turn, Turn," made famous by the birds. Uh, With a Y. Uh, But uh, that passage is actually, it appears to be a Babylonian poem. And we'll we'll get into that. There's there's some things that are involved in that. But we're not there yet. We're Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we're going to begin in verse 1. And this is the preacher, Koholeth. Uh, It means the gatherer. He is speaking. And he says, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good what an awesome decision to make all right so here's the plan Hart. i'm just going to try a bunch of stuff that feels good and you tell me what's good what he says i mean isn't this this is like this is the college age decision isn't it i'm 18 i'm out of home I'm going to test everything that feels good. I remember the first day that I was in the dorm. Now, I went to a Bible college, so there was no drunken craziness or fraternities or sororities or anything. There was no animal house going on. But um, in my college, uh, I got to college, I got in my dorm room, I set up all my stuff, and the very first thing I did was I went to the convenience store, and I got a thing of hersey's chocolate and a thing of the the insta whip you know you shake it and you turn it upside down because when i was a kid my mom never ever let me eat one either of those from the container she didn't care if i drank from the orange juice container but i was not allowed to mess with the ready whip so of course naturally being a wise and intelligent 18 year old And there are worse things that you could do as an 18-year-old. I took both of those bottles. I shook up the Ready Whip and I got the Hershey's chocolate open. And I took them and I put both of them in my mouth. (laughs) And just kept swallowing. I'm like, this is awesome! Until about 20 minutes later, when my digestive tract reminded me that both of those substances do not occur in nature. when you're young you go whatever is play i'm gonna do what's fun you know uh these guys who play they 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 play sports and they're they're all about the adrenaline rush you know, and it's like, ah, you know, they're pounding away at their bodies, and you're sitting there going, oh, you are going to so regret this in about 20 years. No, we're pounding away, and we're, we're tough, and oh, my back hurts a little bit, I'll just take 15 Advil, you know, this is, this is, then it goes away, it's not there anymore. I'm like, no, actually, it's not that it's not there, it's that you don't feel that it's there, um, and uh, these, they just destroy their bodies, because we say, ah, oh, to say to my heart, whatever is good, I'm just going to do it. Verse, continuing in verse 1, but that also proved to be meaningless, proved to be empty. Laughter, I said, is foolish. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guiding me with wisdom. Now, that's actually an oxymoron, what he just said. I embraced folly while my mind was guiding me with wisdom. By definition those two things cannot exist together. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. He said, "Hey man, live fast, die young, leave a good-looking corpse." This is this is the rationale. And we could probably we can look at this and we could see themes of this all through our world. Now remember, what he's reporting is not what God wants us to do. He's reporting human wisdom, and human wisdom says, "Well, if we're all going to die anyway, we might as well have fun on the way." I undertook great projects, verse 4. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of man. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Again, oxymoron. But who, in their adventures and excitement and fun and let's attack life and live life, ever goes, I'm an idiot. I'm a moron, and I'm going to relish in it. Everybody thinks they know what they're doing. I'm in control. I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. I'm in control. Until they get arrested. Then, well, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was doing. He begins a little bit of a poetic phrase here in chap- in verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, and nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. And what more can the king's successors do than what has already been done? I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head, while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. And like the fool, the wise man too must die. That's like depressing. That's why we call this the emo gospel, the goth gospel. This is just dark. Verse 17, so I hated my life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And that's that phrase, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool? Yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days he work. All the days his his days his work is pain and grief. And even at night his mind does not rest. And this too is meaningless. Got to love this conclusion. Here you go. Ready? What did he start this chapter with, by the way? What did he pursue? Pleasure, joy, happiness. Fill myself with drink. Yay, party. Verse twenty-four. So a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner he gives the task of gathering, storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. And this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. By the way, the statement there about God is not necessarily true. It has a seed of truth to it. Um, but, uh, but really, I mean, let's look at our world for a second. Um, let's take a, a, a sinner. I mean, let's pick a, a huge, awful, terrible sinner, somebody who most definitely is not right with God. And you can form an image of whoever you want to in your head. And that person is super wealthy and has everything and is taken care of. And if this passage is true, then according to this, God will take that away from them and give it to you and me because we're right with God. Anybody had that happen recently? So you have to watch what's being said here. This is earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom says, well, if there is a God, God would want to take everything away from the people who are terrible and give it to the people who are good. And God would never rip off somebody who is righteous. God would never say to somebody who is righteous and good and honored Him, He would never leave them poor. He would never leave them without an inheritance. He would never not take care of them. I mean, God has to take care of the righteous people because they earned it, haven't they? law or as it's commonly said now on the internet fail it doesn't work that way we can look in 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 what jesus had to say and jesus had said as he looked at his disciples and he looked at the pharisees who said well we deserve what the best of what god has because we honor the law and we do the right thing and jesus said hey you know the rain that falls on the good and the evil He says, the world doesn't revolve around you gaining points with God and earning a place of honor. It doesn't work that way. And so much of religion is built that way. It's built on this Ecclesiastes principle of God will eventually take away from the unrighteous and give to the righteous. And yet, that is not confirmed in our experience of life. How many of the wealthiest men and women on the earth are believers how many truly true lovers of God truly righteous before God how many of those people are the presidents and senators and governors and kings of the nations of the world it doesn't work that way but human wisdom says it should work that way now you should see a fatal flaw in human wisdom Human wisdom revolves around humans. We're not careful, it leaks into Christianity, leaks into our faith. God loves me. Jesus came to die for me, God gave me gifts. The Holy Spirit of God showed this to me. What does that revolve around? It revolves around me. You know that in Scripture, every time that God blessed someone, it was not because they deserved it, but because someone besides them needed it. God said to Abraham, Hey, I'm going to make you a great nation, and you will be a blessing to all other nations. Jesus said to the disciples, hey, I'm going to give you all kinds of cool powers. And they were like, sweet, so we can like play Vegas? No. So that you can go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to people. So that they will know that you are my disciples. I'm going to give you something that you can definitively say, this is the word of God. This is the message of God. Everywhere in the Bible that someone is blessed, it is so that they could be a blessing to someone else. But human wisdom says, I am blessed for myself. Look at what he says. He says, why on earth would I work so hard and do so much if somebody else is just going to reap the benefits? Oh, boy. I get myself in trouble when I... I start taking this this on, but the mentality that says to get all you can and can all you get, it doesn't matter whether you throw a Christian mask on it or not, it is still wrong. If God blessed you with wealth, He blessed you with wealth so that you would be a blessing to others. It's not communism, and I know some people are like, whoa, whoa, this sounds like communism from each according to their ability to each according to their, their need, right? Which I used to, we have a couple of my former students in the room, I used to ask that, I was like, where does this appear in the Bible? And I'm like, Mark, John, were you guys in the class where I did the uh, the quiz where every answer was Jesus? No, you weren't in that class. Um, they, I actually had kids fail a test where the answer to every question was Jesus because they used to write Jesus for everything. But that's beside the point. Um, we look at this and we go, we go, oh, that's not right. God blesses you to be a blessing to others. Now, there are some primary blessings that he gives to us. He blesses us, first of all, to be a blessing to our families. When you read the scriptures and you read the statements that the Apostle Paul and Jesus and the Old Testament back up, and they make statements about husbands as the head of the household, and they say, you know, husbands, they... they you know, you are the head of the, of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And most of the men are like, yeah, I'm the head of the household, you listen to me. And in reality, what it says is God is going to bless you through Jesus to be a blessing to your wife and your children. That's why you are blessed. You are not blessed in order to be a blessing to yourself. You are blessed to be a blessing to them. And when God takes somebody and takes them and calls them into the ministry of the gospel, they walk around often, and I have colleagues and friends and who I love dearly who have all kinds of degrees, more degrees than a thermometer, and they walk around saying, I know so much about Scripture. I read the Bible all the time. I'm so wise. I'm so wise. You should listen to me because I have been, and what they're really saying is, I have been blessed by God and you should be in awe of me. And in reality, we are given blessings to be a blessing. We are given abilities and gifts in order to allow those things to be manifest in the kingdom. Human wisdom says, get it for yourself and whine and complain when other people get it. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker, I'm spending my grandchildren's inheritance? I've got to be honest with you. Your grandkids really should be able to work for a living. And if your grandkids can't get a job because they're lazy, it's one thing if you can't get a job because you're qualified and there are no jobs available. they can't get a job because they're lazy, the last thing they need is an inheritance from you. It's just... All the grandkids are like, Man, he just ruined my chances. I see my grandma, grandfathers over there rewriting the will. You know, but th- this... This is this is this mentality. And it, it the, the mentality that, that pervades this creeps down into our culture because we say, Well, well, I don't have anything, so I deserve it because I should get it, and so somebody else needs to give it to me. And that's wrong, too. That's not the the world is not a welfare state. The wealthy are not required to give, they should be privileged to do it. They should do it out of the love of their heart, not out of the code of the law, but I'm not going to get into that. Human wisdom says there are a lot of ways to pursue your own desires. Here they are. In verses 1 and 2, he says there's pleasure. In verse 3, he says there's artificial stimulation. Get drunk, get high whatever an article in verses four through eight he says accomplishment and wealth will do it in verses 10 through 11 he, he basically says man do whatever makes you happy a form of hedonism and that will do it but in the end that is all just emptiness and chasing the wind it's just blah 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 yada 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 And maybe happiness is found in work. But he says, no, it's not, because no matter what I build, eventually I'm going to die and leave it to somebody else. And that doesn't do anything for me. And human wisdom says it's not work you do, and it's not work you do for others, and it's not work you do for someone else, because ultimately all of your work passes away. You will die. The wise will die just like the fool. So what's the difference? If I might paraphrase his conclusion. It goes like this. Life sucks. That's really what he's saying. Life is terrible. And here's the deal. If we live this, and there are people all through the world living this, And I pick on teenagers who get into college and they they pursue drunkenness because they think that's going to bring pleasure. Or I I pick on adults, to be honest, who trade the obsession with drunkenness, with the obsession with money. And and we have as much of a problem with an addiction with money in our Western society as we do an addiction with uh, alcohol and drugs and all those other things. It's just that we trade one addiction for another... Um, but we, we, we say, well, maybe this will bring me happiness. Maybe if I, and, and some of us, some of us really enjoy work. How many of you enjoy what you do for a living? Do you do it because you have to, or do you do it because you want to? It's half and half. I mean, it's not always the same, man. There are some Sunday mornings I wake up, I'm like, whoa. Oh! It's Sunday. That means I get to preach. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. I'm going to do it. Usually those are the Sundays that everything falls apart right before the service. So I'm, I'm jazzed up so I get down to a normal level of excitement by the time I actually get to the service. And, uh, you know, my normal level of excitement is I'm a little hyperactive, so it bounces. But there are other Sundays I wake up and go, oh, man, I have to Preach. And, and and I start to see everything. But ultimately, really, I just enjoy what I do. And I, I would do it for free. Don't take that as a recommendation. Uh, but I, I just enjoy doing, I did it when I worked full time, I enjoyed pre- speaking, I enjoyed preaching, I enjoyed mentoring people, I enjoyed working with people, I, and it's funny, I mean, in, in the last few months, and maybe the last year and a half, God has even been working in my heart, I even enjoy meeting new people, which if you've been with me for a while, you know that that's not necessarily the case. And, and I, I just really just, God has just been kind of doing, and I really, really enjoy it. I enjoy working with the deaconesses, I enjoy working with the elders, I enjoy working with the congregation, I enjoy facing the challenges of what God is doing. And it's not because, hey man, uh, I'm going to work and do this stuff and I'm following human wisdom and doing whatever brings joy to my heart. It's because as I look out at what God is doing at this church, man, this morning I told the elders, we sat down to pray, I am Actually, I was praying when I said it. I didn't say them too specifically. I said, I am perplexed by what God is doing in this church. I don't understand it. It's awesome, but I have no clue how it happened. And we get to ride the wave of what God is doing, and it is so incredible. But we do it because God wants us to do it, because God blesses us to be a blessing. You know, the end, of, uh, the end of August, August 21st, we, we are going to have a, an outreach thing. And I need some volunteers to help with that. And this might be something you're interested in. And what we're going to do is we're going to invite our community to come to our church. It's a Saturday, August 21st. Um, it's a few months away. And what we're going to do is really just get it out there. I've invited two, uh, two bands that, um, that we know and love. Who are gonna do some music that's not gonna be raunchy or disgusting or anything? What is the name of your band, Ron? What? Divide, Divide by five. Okay. Um, so there are two bands. I didn't know the name at the time, so now I know. Two bands. One called Three Chords and a Cloud of Dust, and uh, a band called uh, Divide by Five. What a it's gonna be a mathematical poster. Um, but we've invited them to come and play. Um, And just basically open up our property and say to the community hey come out be a part of this thing Corey chases downstairs, but I guarantee that Corey will volunteer to airbrush and do tattoos temporary tattoos for kids and paint faces I guarantee that Terry Larnard will have a billion things that we can do because Terry's good with ideas like that And we're just going to say to the community. Hey, come on out Bring a blanket bring a chair Come and listen to a band. Let us, let us just be a service to you. And they're going to say, what's the ulterior motive? Well, here's our ulterior motive. We're going to ask everyone that comes to the concert, comes to the picnic, the price of admission is going to be one piece of non-perishable food that we can give away to a needing family. That's all. Come and journey with us. Be a part of this thing. We think that if you meet this church, this wild, uncontrolled, nuts church, and our church is nuts. I mean, we've got so many different things going on. People come up to me and they say things, and I just start laughing. It's just hilarious. People got crazy sense of humor and, and want to do bizarre things, and I just think it's a riot. It's awesome. Um, and, uh, but we, we're just going to say, hey, come and be a part of this. You say, well, when are you going to tell them about Jesus? When are we not? The way we live. The way we interact. The way we open ourselves up in a way that most churches are not willing to do. I mean, let's be honest. How many churches you know would invite people into their lives? Just the standard rabble out on the street. Not pre-Christian people, just the schlubs. And say, hey, come in and be a part of this. Can you help us out being this? Will you journey with us and opening that door? Why? Because God has blessed us. Have you looked around this property? If you're a part of our church, have you looked? If you came over with me from Heritage, have you looked? Our entire building would have fit inside this auditorium. And we jammed sometimes 80 to 100 people inside that room. I mean, we had kids in the children's church. All right, everybody, now we're going to jump to the left. You know, I mean, they were packed in. We had a fence to keep them from getting into the auditorium. Literally, it was on wheels. We, they, we shared a bathroom with a, a garage, a plumbing company, and a pizza shop. It was almost like going to the outhouse. We had, we had animals running through the rafters during services. You may notice that some of the people that came over from Heritage, they have this tendency during food and stuff, they will stand up. There's a couple reasons for that. One of them primarily, Greg, why were you standing up during lunch Sunday? Do you remember? You were watching something that was flying along the ceiling. Wasps. We had a huge problem with wasps. And so the moment that one of our men sees a wasp, we're like, (laughs) battle at war has been declared. We had wasps, we had squirrels. We actually, when we took the snake, the, uh, not a real snake, the, the, we took the audio snake out of the ceiling of our building, some kind of rodent had actually gnawed through the cabling. We would be preaching in the middle of service and people would come in thinking we were the pizza shop. Uh, we we just I mean we were in a metal build building with no insulation it was just it was awful and so every time I walk in this building every time I come to this property I go man God has blessed us and the, and the next statement is always how can we use this to be a blessing to everyone else God has given us such amazing gifts not just the musical gifts and we have tons of music. I mentioned that before, but not just the musical gifts, but the caring gifts and the the, the prayer gifts and the 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 experience gifts that are that are just, just a part of our, our church fabric. Man, God has blessed us so that we could be a blessing to others. And when we look at this, I titled this this message Something Greater. The problem with what Solomon presents in this human wisdom is that it was all about me and he was not a part of something greater. So he begrudged everyone that would be blessed by who he was. That's what this wisdom is all about. It's about why give it to anybody else, keep it for yourself, use it for yourself, bottle it up. And that is not the calling of Christ. I want to close with one little statement. In the book of John, and you don't have to turn there, but Jesus, after He was raised from the dead, and if you're visiting with us, we believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, we actually believe He died, and He was raised from the dead, and He's in heaven now. Um, and He sits beside the Father, and He is an advocate for us, and He is um, the way. We make no apologies for that, but Jesus said this in verse 15 of chapter 21 of the, the book of John. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter who had betrayed Him before the crucifixion, and He says this, When they had finished eating, Jesus had just blessed them with a meal. Jesus said to Simon Peter, No, that's not what he said, Joshua. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he, Simon Peter, answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now there's a significance to what Jesus had to say there. If you actually read the book of John and watch the times that Jesus says, follow me. There's a whole message in that, because in John chapter 14, 13 and 14, he says to his disciples, I'm going somewhere, you cannot follow me. He was talking about his death and his burial and his resurrection. Um, But then he comes to Simon Peter here and he says, now follow me. Because finally Simon Peter has seen that Jesus lived his life Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. To take the blessings that God had given him and bless others. He said, now you can follow me. Before, you couldn't follow Me because you didn't know that following Me was about death and about burial and about resurrection. Before, you couldn't follow Me. You couldn't do what I was calling you to do because you lived according to the standard of human wisdom that said, get what you can, enjoy what you can, but now you realize, now you understand, now you love Me in this new way and you understand that to follow Me means to love the world. To be a blessing. There's a flip side to the human wisdom. Human wisdom says get what you can. Jesus' wisdom says be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. And if you understand that, you will never, I won't say never, but for the most part, you will never look at what God has given you and go, gee, thanks God. You're really keen but rather you will say, thank you, God. How do I give this to others? How do I pass along? I firmly believe that the joy of being a believer is when you open yourself up to be a conduit for God's blessings through you, and you see what God is doing. For others, not for you. And you draw joy from that. And I believe that that is what we are called to be as a church, to not hoard what we have. I want to close with one statement from one of our guys. He doesn't like me to to illuminate um, some of the things he says, but he's actually a pretty smart guy. Um, Peter Lindsay and I were shoveling uh, um, wood chips in the rain a few weeks ago, and we were talking about our church, and we were talking about things we need to deal with and stuff, and and Peter's very faithful, taking care of mowing the lawn. By the way, last week I said he's looking for volunteers. He's not. Scratch that. He doesn't want your help. No, uh, no. But uh, Peter, Peter was talking about the property. And, and if you don't know, Peter and Bob and, and a, a select chosen elite um, take care of this, the property. And you know what Peter said to me? And it just, it, it hit me, and it was awesome. Um, Peter said, you know, I take care of this property and I make sure the lawn is mowed and I make sure all this stuff because I just believe, and I'm paraphrasing exactly what he said, but he said something along the lines of, because I believe that one day we will use this to reach our community, to reach the people around us. And I was like, I'm like, wow. Wow. That, that is so powerful. That the reason he takes care of the lawn and the reason he tends to all those things is a good thing he does because I, I don't. Um, and I don't want to mow the lawn. Uh, I, I would if I had to, but I'm not part of the elite. Um, I don't have that spiritual gift. It's in 2nd Opinions 3. Um, but the, just this one idea man, God has given us, us this, and it is awesome. And I can't wait to see God use it to bless others. I was like, wow. Man, that's a sermon. I should preach that. Oh, wait, I just did. Let's close with a word of prayer. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end with our, our last worship. Heavenly Father God, you blessed this earth so that it would give its, its, its produce and its, its, its bounty To feed us and to take care of us. You blessed Abraham, and in blessing him, became a blessing to nations as the nation of Israel gave us the scriptures, gave us David, ultimately gave us Jesus. Lord, you blessed Moses with the law which illuminates to us our need for our Savior. You blessed us with Jesus. Who gives us not just uh, not just a life to live? He gives us salvation. He gives us uh, hope, but he also lived before us a life that was totally and completely committed to blessing others. You blessed Paul. You blessed the church, Father. As a part of the church that spans over millennia, I know that the church has often hoarded up the blessings You have given to us. Become a nation unto its own. Become nation builders. Become arguers and disputers. Has become crusaders. Become bigots. But God, we can't change the sins of the past. What we ask is that we as a church, you will open our eyes to the blessings you have given us. Both those huge blessings going back to creation and Abraham and the blessings that are temporal and here and are no smaller. And that we would be a small part of your kingdom. That we would be conduits for your blessing. To our community, to our town, to our families, to our our fellow believers to the to the downtrodden and to the built up to the rich and to the poor to the barbarian and to the greek father i thank you so much for the people you have gathered here as a church as a congregation who pour out so much of their 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 gifts and their their the things you give them the blessings you give them they pour them out And Lord, we pray that we would continue to pour out and You would continue to fill up and we would just continue to gasp for breath trying to keep up with what Your Holy Spirit is doing in this people. Jesus, help us to be a blessing to Mike Durkee, to our kids, to our community. Lord, take us, change us, lead us, supply us, drive us Be with us. Help us to walk in your presence. To be the conduits of your blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name.